Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Check. Hey, good morning, Seacoast. How is everybody doing this morning? Good. Merry Christmas to you all. Everybody enjoy their Christmas time together? Yeah? Right on. Well, uh, my name is Doug. I'm the youth pastor here at Seacoast. And uh, Tim and Karen have had the much-needed weekend off. So you get me instead. So, uh, yep. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, They're in Charleston enjoying their time uh, with their family. Um, So, uh, basically... Uh, I am part of the uh, the pit crew. If you don't know what that is, we are the pastors in training um, for under Tim. So he meets with us every couple of weeks, and we do messages together, and we critique one another, and we teach and pray, and, and basically just helping us grow as as young pastors. Um, and uh, you know, learning from Tim. And so it's my pleasure to be here with you this morning. Um, it's been a while since I've been at second service. Okay, so it's nice to see our smiling faces. I see some new ones which is cool. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get going on this thing, okay? Heavenly Father, we love you. We trust you with our lives, and we ask that this morning uh, you give me the gift of teaching and that you uh, just be amongst us, uh, teach us, help us grow. Holy Spirit, be present, um, and just make ways in our hearts to be able to receive your word this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Now, uh, as a teenager, um, one of the favorite things that we would do right around Halloween time as me and a group of my friends would go out to a place called the Fear Factory, okay? Sounds like an awesome place, right? Uh, basically, it was like a haunted house kind of thing, okay? Now, one year in particular, we were uh, in our senior year of high school, okay? So we knew we were going to go to the Fear Factory. We knew we were going to pay people to scare the pants off of us. But this time, because we were seniors and so self-actualized, we talked a big game beforehand, Okay? We were like, this is going to be so not scary. We'll go. We'll get this thing done, and then we'll go do something else. And we were just acting like big tough guys. Now, as some of you may know this, but bravery in the light of day is not that difficult to come up with. Okay? But I'll tell you this. Even the best of us uh, can kind of lose our nerve when it's really dark. Okay? And that's exactly what happens. So we show up to the fear factory. And sure enough, creepy things are jumping out at us. People with masks on are running around. And there's this one point where we turned a corner, okay? And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in the darkest room that has ever been crafted by some maniac's human hands, okay? So you walk in, and you literally cannot see the hand in front of your face. It is that dark, zero light, has anybody here ever been in a room or in a situation where they were in zero light? Anybody? Okay. That is haunting. Okay. I thought I was going to die. I really did. I felt darkness closing in around me. I felt like it was in my soul. It was scary. Okay. And so at that moment in my personal nightmare, there's also a voice somewhere in that room saying this. Keep watching. Look out for the stairs. Every few minutes, keep watching, keep walking, look out for the stairs. 
And I'm like beyond scared at this point, okay? And so me and three of my self-actualized friends are all holding each other, okay, in the dark. And we're doing this, trying to find the stairs that they said to watch out for, okay? And so for the next seven or eight minutes, we are just inching along in this pitch dark room like scaredy cats for the stairs. Now, what I want you to imagine for a moment is what if all of a sudden somebody flipped the lights on? Okay, apart from being incredibly embarrassing because we're all hugging each other, um, the reality is, is that when the light shines in the dark, all that fear, all that anxiety, all that stuff gets washed out by reality. You see, when we were walking down that dark room, what it actually was, was a hallway from about here to the end of the fourth row back there. And the stairs that the guy was talking about was literally just the exit door to outside and the stairs just went to like the street outside. It was just a regular hallway. That's all it was. But at the time, the darkness and the the fog and the deception trying to get us to be freaked out was really big. But when the light shines, all of a sudden there's freedom. The reality comes and we see that the deception is exactly what it is, a deception. And so the reason why I tell you that this morning is because Jesus is going to say these very words to us, Christian, you are light. That's where we catch up with Jesus. And so this morning, Jesus calls us light in dark places. Jesus calls us light in dark places. Our scripture is Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. If you have your Bible, you can crack that open. Bible app, it's going to be on the screen if you don't have either of those. So we're going to read it together. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so as we look at this scripture, we kind of have this big picture idea that Jesus looks at Christians, he looks at those who follow him, and he says, you are light. And what I want to do this morning is I want to take this big idea and I want to bring it down to its smallest possible level, okay? So that when you walk out of here this morning, the slightest change in your relationship, the slightest decision to do something different than you did when you walked in here, will be directly engaging in the call that Jesus has for your life, to be light in dark places. And so before we go any further, we've got to gain some context, okay? We've got to know where did this conversation take place, who's he talking to, what's happening, okay? And so the first thing we need to know is we are in the backwoods of the Roman Empire, okay? So Jesus has just started his ministry, he's gathered up his disciples, and now he's just bopping around Galilee, just praying for people, healing, casting out demons, and there is just a ton of people following him, okay? The kind of people that were following were not only disciples, but there was the sick, there was the poor, there was the demon-possessed, paralyzed, hungry. Imagine... Black Friday at Walmart, okay, and then add in leprosy and demons. That's what it was like hanging out with Jesus, okay? 
hanging out with Jesus was crazy town, okay? There was people flocking to him all the time, trying to just touch him, trying to just get healed, to have their needs met, and they were um, flocking around him all the time. And so what we have here is, is in the midst of the crazy, Jesus is going to sit down uh, to give what we call the Sermon on the Mount, okay? So he's on this obscure mountain. People are around everywhere, um, and Jesus is going to kind of lay out a new way of living, a new way of being a follower after God. And so up until this point, kind of the main religious thoughts of the day were that if you had uh, brokenness in your life, if you were poor, if you had some kind of disease, if you were um, kind of less than, it was because God was not happy with you. It was because uh, you didn't have a good relationship with God, and therefore you're not worthy of practicing religion. That's kind of the religious thoughts of the day. And so uh, Jesus kind of actually touched on this when he talked to the religious people. He said, you know what? You guys wash the outside of the cup, but inside it's still filled with greed and selfishness. He says, you you care a lot about the externals. You care a lot about what people look like on the outside, their life situations, but you're still messed up on the inside. And so as a result, all the rich and well-off people were kind of benefiting from religion those that were really good at doing the externals. And meanwhile, all the broken people were left to kind of their own devices. And so Jesus, as he's calling all of these broken people, as he's pulling them in close to him, he grabs his disciples in the midst of the crazy and he says, okay, guys, I'm gonna teach you something new. I'm gonna teach you about how to interact with people and circumstances in a brand new way. So the critical question I wanna answer this morning is what does that look like in real life? When Jesus calls us light, what does that look like in real life? Let's look at verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So a few years ago, a friend of mine, his name was Jacob, we decided we were going to hitchhike from northeast Texas to Nashville, Tennessee. Okay? Uh, it was a terrible idea. We were dumb, but we did it anyway. Okay? Now, what had happened was is we, were, we had a lot of free time, okay? And when you have a lot of free time, you have to be careful what you read because some things that aren't really a good idea sound like a really good idea when you have nothing else to do. And so I read this book we both did called Life Under Bridges, okay? If you've ever read that book, it's awesome. And if you haven't, you should, but don't read it if you had a lot of time on your hands. So uh, Life Under Bridges was about the idea that these two Christian guys were going to experience being homeless for a year. And read the whole thing, and it was this great experience where God really taught him a lot, um, and it was this beautiful story. And so for us, we were like, we're going to go to Nashville, and we're going to be homeless for a couple of days, and then we'll meet some friends there, and then they'll take us back home. So hitchhike for two days, sleep under a bridge in Nashville for two days, and then come home. So sounded like a great idea. There, I don't know if anybody has ever been to like where the Titan Stadium, but there's that big bridge that goes over the river. And so we slept under there. By the end of the second day, We were exhausted. It was a horrible idea, okay? Not only did we hitchhike for a couple of days in Texas slash Louisiana slash Nashville hot summer weather, but then when we got there, we were hungry, we were tired, people, we smelled horrible, okay? We were like sticky hot and not showering for three days. We were disgusting, okay? People didn't want to look at us. People didn't want to be around us. It was uncomfortable. And so as we're kind of counting down the hours until we get to meet with our friends again, we're walking up the hill, and at the top of the hill, we see a bunch of people, 
And they're hanging out and they're laughing and they're smiling and they're high-fiving each other and the doors are open and music's playing. Uh, my friend was really into graffiti art. and It was graffiti art all over the walls and people were skateboarding on ramps that were there. And, and so we look around and these people uh, invited us to come hang out with them. And so they brought us into their building and it was air-conditioned and they gave us a free iced coffee and nice comfy couches. And we sat there uh, and it was a beautiful experience. You see, in that moment, as we were coming up and we looked at that, we really needed a new story in our adventure, okay? We really needed a new narrative to come to this adventure because we were tired and burnt out and hungry, and we just wanted to relax. We just wanted some relief from the hot sun, something cold to drink. And when we looked at these wonderful people, we thought, that could be a new story for us. Now, that's a very simple example of a very real thing that people go through. But the thing is, is that when we look at community that loves one another, that is like the hope of a new story. See, I didn't find out till later that that place was called Rocket Town. And uh, it's a place that was founded by, I think, Michael W. Smith. Um, but it was like a Christian community center for people to go to and hang out and do stuff and events and different things. And we had no idea until after we kind of started to get to know people. But Jesus says, you are like a city on a hill. It's like when you love one another and you are in community together, that people will know Jesus by the way that you love one another. And so when you see that, that maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? My story is not like that. I've been out in the desert. I've been wandering around, lonely, uh, kind of frustrated with my life circumstances. But there is a hope for a new story. The light that Jesus is talking about that's in us is that you don't have to fight for every scrap of dignity when you're in God's community. You don't have to fight for every scrap of respect when you're in God's community. That you have value as a human being because you're an image bearer of God. That when somebody who's been wandering for a long time sees this community, it's like a city on a hill. It's like the hope of a new story. That your dignity can be restored. See, we don't always get it right in this community, but at its heart, who we are is a group of people that depend on grace and try really hard to make a big deal about Jesus. So if you're here and you're like, man, I need a new story, there's a place for you. There's a place for you here. There can be a new story. And so the first fill-in, I think I might have passed it, but the first fill-in is that our light is the hope of a new story. Our light is the hope of a new story. That part of what Jesus has done in us as a community the way we love one another, the way we care for one another, the way we meet each other's needs, the fact that we are the most diverse group of people, that we come from different social statuses, ethnicities, but yet we all come together to worship one God, that we all come together as one community, that sends a message of hope, of a new story into a very dark world, a world that is very much about not being in community, that is very much about picking sides, that is very much about stick with your own kind. But in the community of Jesus, we don't see that. What we see is people loving one another and caring for one another. So there can be 
a new story. Verse 15, he says, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. They put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone. So some of you may have heard me mention uh, a couple of times before when, in previous messages that um, I was in an internship uh, with a Christian organization called Acquire the Fire. Okay, has anybody here ever been to an Acquire the Fire? Okay. All right, so they had an internship um, where you could go there and, and work for them for free for a year, and you'd basically take part in, in doing ministry, and there was also some leadership development things. Well, Part of that was they had these things called the LTEs, okay? They were life-transforming events. And so you lived in Northeast Texas for a year, and throughout your time there, you would do these events, these life-transforming events. And for a guy like me, um, if you call something a life-transforming event, there's a good chance I'm not going to believe you, okay? I mean, like, I'm sure it is, guys. Your little Christian club is great, but my life will not be transformed by whatever it is that you are doing, okay? Now... I didn't know what I was in for, but here's what happened. So the first event that we do is called the Unreached People Group, okay? It's called the Unreached People Group. And the scenario was is that we were going to spend three days in the back 40 acres of wild Texas woods, okay? If anybody here is from Texas, um, that's a scary thing in and of itself because everything in Texas is enormous. So I literally found a moth that was the size of a basketball, Okay? (laughs) And they want us to go out in the woods for three days and camp out and do this unreached people group event. So scenario is we're out there camping for three days. And all of the advisors and teachers for our internship were the government. And the woods, this area that we were in, was a closed country to Christianity. And all the interns were divided up into two camps. You were either a tribe Okay, you're rather a tribesman, and you'd have to develop your story and develop your new language and all that stuff, and you were in this country, or you were a missionary. Okay? I happened to land in the group that was missionaries. Okay? So we get there first day, and the rules are very strict. You cannot break character for any reason. Okay? So you are a missionary. They are the government. You are not allowed to be there. You've got to find a way in to cross the border. You've got to minister to your people group. Um, you've got to live with them, spend time with them for a couple of days, preach the gospel to them, and not get caught. Okay? So that's the plan. So I get there, and I'm like, I am Johnny on the spot with this mission. I'm going to get there no matter what happens. I'm going to get to my people group. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to be done with this thing. Day and a half, good to go. Well, I get caught within like the first 40 minutes of this thing, okay? Because I was just like trying to be the cool guy, and, and, and so they catch me. And so the way that they would kind of filter out or kind of test whether or not you were a missionary or not is they would ask you to renounce your faith and say that you hated Jesus. And so in my mind, because I'm going to win this game, I'm like, I have to get out there. So no matter what happens, no matter what I have to do to get there, Jesus will understand because I've got to go give the gospel, the good news to those people out there. But I get that? That was what I was doing. And so they told me to say that and renounce I said, sure, yeah. You know, I was 18. I didn't know any better. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'm not into it. I'm not a Christian. And in that moment, all the teachers and, and guards looked at me like, oh my gosh, is this kid even saved? Like they, they were so shocked that I actually said it. And I'm like, I did not expect that reaction. So they take me. And uh, they didn't believe me anyway, and so they take me, 
and they put me in what they called the holding cell. And these were like these log cabins that were out in the woods for uh, when actual missionaries come to our campus before they leave and go out of country. And uh, no air conditioning, Texas, hot, nasty, middle of summer. And they put me in the shower room, okay? And so I'm in there, and it's hot, and the guy's having me do sit-ups over and over and over again, right? Um, And this is all part of the thing, but he's having me do sit-ups over and over again. And he's like, are you sure you're not a Christian? And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. More sit-ups, more sit-ups, more sit-ups. Now, at this point, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm just, I'm ready to just be done with this little event. I'm like, okay, guys, I paid you to be here. I'm going home. Like, that's, that's how I honestly felt. So here's the crazy part, though. So the person who was my actual advisor, she was doing this event. Um, she asked me to come with her, and we walked down this hallway, and she sits me down at this table. It's kind of like an interrogation room, and there's a big hot lamp on I don't know why, it was already like a million degrees. And so I'm sitting there, and she says, so she breaks character for a minute, and she says, so why did you say that? And I explained to her my reasoning. I said, I, I, you know, I want to get out there. I've got to get out there and, and do the mission thing. And she looked at me, and she said, what about us? Meaning the guards. What about us? And in that moment, I lost it. I absolutely lost it. I mean, I just started crying, snots coming down. I mean, I was a mess because in that moment I had realized that in my wanting to go out there and wanting to do that and wanting to bring the gospel over there, I devalued the people that were right in front of me. That the people that were in darkness that needed the light, that needed the the hope of Jesus, I skipped right over them because it wasn't convenient for me, because it wasn't really something that I was interested in putting the time or the work in. I didn't want to be the guy that was stuck in jail for the entire uh, event. I want to be the guy that was out there in the mission field doing stuff. And see, what I think happens is that we forget that our light is for everyone. Our light's for everyone. And that there may be a temptation to sort of exclude certain people from exposing them to the light of Jesus. There may be this temptation that because people are different, uh, because they are, make me feel uh, afraid, because they're not like me, that I don't want to put the effort in to be the light of Jesus. But Jesus is very clear. You don't put a, you don't put a cover over your light. You don't create some kind of thing that can filter out the light so it only goes to certain spots but not others. So you don't cover your light. It's for everyone. See, I think sometimes what happens is, is that when we start getting involved in church, and especially uh, early on, what happens is, is we start to kind of develop relationships, and it's exciting, and there's a new community. And then we forget that there's a whole other world out there. I want you to ask yourself right now, take an inventory of your life. The people that you spend time with, how many of them are not Christians. How many people are in your life that you genuinely spend time with, that you genuinely care about, that are not Christians? I know why I had to ask myself that question and take an inventory of my own life, uh, and I didn't like the answer, you know? I spend a lot of time with Christian folks, which is good. It's good to be in Christian community. It's good to love one another. It's good to have that. But if you don't have people in your life that don't know Jesus... You're limiting their opportunity to see the light. If there's people at work that, that need Jesus, 
but you're choosing to not spend time with them because they're not like you, or you're choosing not to spend time with them because they don't have the same Christian values. Jesus would say, light shines better when it's in the darkness. You ever try to tell if your car headlights are on during the day? You can't really tell. It's too bright, okay? But you'll know if they're on if you're in the middle of the woods in the dark, right? See, our light shines when it's in the darkness, And so it's good to come together. It's good to be a part of this community. But you have to remember that our light is for everyone. And so there's things going on politically right now. There's things that are happening all over the world that would cause us to maybe want to shield our light from certain folks. But Jesus is very clear. Our light is for everyone. Our light is for everyone. Let's keep going. Verse 16. In the same way, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, when Aiden was first born, those of you with kids know, um, that the first, like, couple of weeks are a total mess, okay? Like, when kids are born, you don't have any time to do anything. You're just in a blur of noise and cuteness surrounded by diaper changes and bottle feedings. I mean, you, you you don't have any concept of time, okay? You're just tired and exhausted for days on end. And so one of the hardest things to do during that time is just to remember basic things like taking care of yourself. Everything is about your little baby. Everything is about keep making sure that you just keep him alive. Like the hospital has their footprint, okay? They know that we have him, so, you know, you can't mess this up. You've got to do a good job for the first couple of weeks, you know, until he gets some legs under him. And so one of the hardest things to do is take care of ourselves. And, and for Christy and I, when Aiden was born, uh, we hear a knock on the door, and I open the door, and there's like bags of groceries in the front of our door, okay? I have no idea who did that. Um, I have my suspicions. If you're here, thank you. Um, but in that moment, Christy and I had not fed ourselves, okay? We couldn't make dinner. We were just exhausted. And in the bag was stuff that you just put in the microwave, okay? Just put it in the microwave and eat it. There was like donuts. I was like mowing down on donuts while holding bottles at the same time. It was great. But see, the cool thing was is that the blessing came for us in a time of great need, okay? We didn't ask that person, whoever it was, or those people. Um, We didn't, um, they didn't, they weren't told that they should do that. But when Jesus calls us to be light, it meets the need. doesn't matter what it is. You don't have to be told to do something. You don't have to be um, coerced into it, but rather you see the need and you fill it. If you see the need, you fill it. Jesus calls us to be light in dark places because when we meet the need, it doesn't matter how big or how small. See, people, if we're sitting in darkness, if we're alone, if we're frustrated, if we're tired, if we're a mess, and somebody comes along and says, hey, I'm not thinking about me, I'm thinking about you. That's a bright light. That's a bright light. So I want to look at something real quick. Uh, there's a picture I want to show you. It's coming soon. I do want to show you a picture. There it is. Okay. So these little things, I don't remember the name of them, but they're coral in the Red Sea. Okay? And they glow in the dark. All right? They glow in the dark. And the cool thing is, is that it takes light from above, okay? And then it reproduces it emanating light in the darkness underneath the water. Now, if you look at that, 
there are all different hues and vibrances and colors and different things. There's a whole mix going on there. They don't all look the same. And see, I think what can happen sometimes is that we hear a message like, go and be light. And we think, well, I'm not really like that. Like, I'm not the kind of person um, who can just go and love on people um, that I don't know. I'm not the kind of person that can just go into a dark place and be light. But see, we may not shine the same way as Mother Teresa did, okay? We may not be in the slums of Calcutta taking care of sick children, but you can choose to love your spouse the way that Jesus does. That will shine. See, you could choose to forgive a person that maybe wronged you all those years ago. That'll shine. You can choose to cook a meal for a family that just suffered a, a tragedy or some loss. You can cook a meal for them. That, that'll shine. You can choose to ask your neighbor if you need anything next time you go to the grocery store. That'll shine. I could choose to buy lunch for the person that everybody avoids at work because they're weird or they're uncomfortable. But that'll shine. See, I'm going to close here. When you look at the last part of verse 16, it says that, uh, let your light shine before men that may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. They may praise your Father in heaven. See, if our light was like holding a torch, okay, our good deeds don't keep the torch going. It's just choosing where to shine it. See, I don't want you to think or get into this mode where you think that Jesus is asking us to perform better, to try harder, to do more things for him, because that's not the answer. If Jesus made it about doing more stuff, then we would be just like the religious folks he was trying to get away from. It's said that Jesus, in him is life, and that life is the light of man. See, what gives us light is not how awesome we are at doing stuff. What gives us light is not that we, we're really good at, at serving in the church. What gives us light is Jesus, that we are in Jesus, who is the light of man. And so if you find yourself this morning, and you're just stumbling around in the dark, okay, that you just desperately need to see what's going on, that the deception kind of needs to be cleared out, that you need to see reality for what it is, that there's a God in heaven who loves you and who cares about you and wants you to live in the truth and a relationship with him, that is available to you this morning. If you're here and you're a Christian and you're like, you know what, I don't think I've been doing a good job at shining very well. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to work harder. You just have to let Jesus do his work. You just have to be open to it. And it starts with prayer. And so this last thing I want to say, and I was kind of debating on whether I wanted to say this or not, um, but I think I do. So there's kind of a big picture idea here, okay? That when you give your life to Jesus, when you have committed to follow him, he starts to make you into a new person. He starts to change some affections around. He starts to help you want to pursue different things. And in that moment of life, we become part of what's called the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, that when we follow after Jesus, we become citizens of a new government where the rule and reign of God is. 
where the will of God gets done. And so as followers of Jesus, then this new citizenship and this new uh, kingdom, we have an opportunity to bring that new government of God to those who are still in darkness. We have an opportunity by the way that we love people, by the way that we care for one another, by the way that we meet the needs of the people around us to show them what life is going to be like in the kingdom. And so as we go into worship, I really feel like there are some people here who need to experience the light of the kingdom, that they are in darkness and they need to experience what it's like to be in God's kingdom where his will gets done. And so there's going to be a prayer team off to the back on both sides. If you have anything you are working through, if you need healing, come get prayer. If you have a broken relationship, come get prayer. If you want to receive Christ for the first time and, and, and follow after him and receive forgiveness of sins, come get prayer. Experience what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.